challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Welcome to everyone around the world. We appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen really, really quickly. This will be part two of last week's uh, message, so go to www.TheNinjaPastor or DrSeanGreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R.com. That's TheNinjaPastor.com or DrSeanGreener.com, and you can listen to all the messages for free. Sunday messages are commercial-free, so feel free to listen to that. I encourage you, if you didn't listen to Wednesday's show, you really need to go back and listen to Wednesday's show. It was a powerful powerful, inspirational show, uh, definitely would lift your faith. And uh, I just, uh, Bryn Sellers was on as one of our guests, and also Mike Brock was on, and you'll really appreciate both of those interviews, really, really powerful. I also want to send my love and uh, prayers and support out from RK Hala to the Workman family, uh, suffered a terrible, terrible, another terrible, tragic loss, as you guys well know. Uh, Navy SEAL Jason Workman was killed uh, August 6, 2011, in uh, Extortion 17, which is just coming up, the largest loss of life at one time in the in the uh, war, and then the largest loss of life in the Navy SEALs ever. Uh, and Mr. Workman was killed in a motorcycle crash coming back from a rally uh, this past week, over this past week it happened. And it's a terrible thing. Amazing, faith-filled people. Uh, Miss Betty Workman, just an extraordinarily beautiful human being, and uh, just a this is a terrible tragedy, and we can we can make no sense of it here. Um, I'm reminded of a song farther along, and I, I was going to look it up and and sing it to you because I have to look at the words after the first few phrases, but um, and it talks about how we don't understand what what God. And this is in keeping with what we're studying. It talks about how you know why in the world do certain things happen, Father? Why do, why do they happen? I um, I just I just don't know why that is, and and there are, there are some answers that I could spit out, and maybe they would be the bumper sticker answers. But the reality of it is, is farther along, when we're we're on that golden shore, we will understand, and we'll worry and wonder no more. Um, so this is part two of of two parts. So don't feel like you got to stop listening. Oh, I missed the first part. You'll be fine. You can just go back and listen to the first part. You'll be you'll be really really good. Um, Subscribe and follow on the blogtalk.com backslash the ninja pastor if you wouldn't mind. Like and subscribe and follow on uh, the uh, facebook.com backslash the ninja pastor. 
We'd love to have you follow us there. And at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn and uh, what's that other one? LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I've got to get better at using that. So mercy isn't demanded of God. It's God's option. God doesn't have to show mercy, does he? In this society, many folks believe God owes us something. You know, nowadays, I hear an awful lot of what God owes us. Well, I wouldn't worship a God that would allow this or that. They believe, society believes that God owes us something, anything. But God definitely owes us mercy, right? No. And, and really and truly, when I first went over this and I, was, and I was studying for this message, I thought, man, that's depressing. That he doesn't even owe us mercy? But the thing is, is instead of getting depressed, you'll realize... And you will you will experience joy when you realize what the deal is here. And I know it sounds crazy, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna go over it now. Now I want you to now remember this. You can listen to the first part for free. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost you anything to listen to this part either. So there's there's no real reason why you can't catch yourself up. It's not going to hurt anything. But I last week I started with Romans nine fourteen through sixteen in the complete Jewish Bible, and I want to. I want to start with that again. So are we to say it is unjust for God to do this? Heaven forbid. For to Moshe, now this is Moses, he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will pity whom I pity. Thus it doesn't depend on human desires or efforts, but on God who has mercy. And the Father led me to, Heavenly Father led me to Job 12, 7 through 9, But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? You see, one of the key things, one of the key things that we have to settle and resolve in our lives in order to understand any part of why things happen is who is in charge. Who set all this into motion? Listen, you can't have – by the way, welcome to chat. Welcome to our guest. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you so much. Uh, It's just wonderful for – okay, sorry you're having trouble. Thank you, uh, Alaska, for the sound check. I appreciate that. Let's see here. And to Louise, Craig and Louise in upstate New York, it's awesome to have you as always. Chat is fun. Those people have a lot of fun in there. It's a wild bunch. I think if we don't if we don't settle this issue and I and I think a lot of modern churches the postmodern western evangelical church they haven't settled this issue I think solidly enough concretely enough and that is God the creator of all did he create this planet in fact not even did he create this planet did he create this galaxy this solar system all that is did he do it capital H did he do it? Did he listen, we you can't half believe God for a miracle if you don't if you only half believe in God. Hasn't in faith is no faith at all. You've got to settle that issue. Say, well, I I don't want to I don't want to talk about, you know, my my doubts and my fears because well, you know, I want to be in the group. I want to be but I want to be toward the back because I don't quite agree with everything or understand everything. Well, neither do I. I've got 11 years of postgraduate education. I don't have it all down. I received my doctorate and master's in 2006, and I've been studying ever since and before. I don't, I don't know it all. I don't. I don't, but what I know is this. I know when I'm out traipsing around the wilderness, when I'm able, when I'm physically able, when I go out and I take photographs, beautiful place where I was, uh, I was raised, 
the other day, my mother, I was sitting with my mom, and we were talking yesterday as we do on Saturdays, having us a good dinner. And I said, Mom, I need to find a place for a good sunset. I need some good sunset photos. I've got this big photo thing coming up in August, and I've got this uh, photo, you know, beach life photo competition. I've got to pick a really good photo and has to be current and all that stuff. I need to, I really want to choose from a really good sunset. And she looked at me, turned her head kind of sideways and said, well, you're right up the road from it. It's Love Creek. Go down there. You grew up here. You know. And she told me about how my sister chose the room in the house that she did for her bedroom, the smallest room in the house, because she could see from that room the sunset every night on Love Creek. And let me tell you, lots has changed down there from when I was a kid. But I have to tell you what hasn't changed. It's still a beautiful sunset. And I looked at that sunset, you know, amazing people all around me, beautiful, amazing, wonderful people all around me enjoying what they were doing, maybe as much or more than me. And I got to tell you this, looking out over that water and the reeds and the, the marsh grass and the brackish water and the birds fishing and all the little critters underneath the surface of the water and all of that, you're just led down this. If you look at it, it's just it is just the most mesmerizing thing. And then as the sun started to set, I'm looking and it looks like there's a mountain that has appeared at the end of the water, where the water goes, you know, the little creek, how it goes back in. It turns completely uh, fresh water. But you look up, and it, the clouds have created a mountain, that's majestic mountain that was growing and growing and growing. And the colors were changing, and it was, it was dynamic and bright. If you go to my Facebook, I posted some photos there. I think I used one of the photos or two or three of the photos for the advertisement for this. Myself, personally, I, I've been in a paddle boat, paddling down there. I've gone right up to where ducks and deer, one time I saw 12 deer drinking from the water there. I was born and raised there. That's I'm an old country boy. And I remember just staring at it, even as a young kid. Of course, back then we didn't wear life vests or any of that mess, you know, I believe in it firmly now, absolutely. But you know, I just remember as being a kid in the wintertime, just looking up there at all those deer and just thinking, man, how can you fools say there's not God? How can you, how can you? I mean, I was a young kid. I probably said something like fools or maybe something worse, maybe. Looking up at the bank, how it goes up and the trees are there and it goes up. And then on the other side was Mr. Hill's field. Now there's houses as if we need more houses. Vanishing landscapes. I said to myself, man, how can you look at this? How can you look at this and ever say, this is just an accident? Do you know the carbon uh, dating that they do? My friend Dave Perkins, great radio guy and, and just great guy in general, great patriot, good friend of ours and, and a uh, think tank with us, Jerry and I. And, and uh, he just uh, did a, a piece on carbon dating how it's completely incorrect. It's totally fraudulent. And it's been discovered as such, but nobody in the scientific world wants to disclose it. But what it proves, there's been no scientific discovery ever that pointed away from God, only to God. So I, I, wanna, I, wanna just, I want this to be the, 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 the basic premise for you. You have to decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But a, a part of that, an explanation of that is, okay, serve the Lord. First, in order to serve, you've got to believe. 
you've got to trust. There are certain things I don't understand. Man, I'll tell you what, I would sure love. I would sure love to understand and know in advance. I'd like to know exactly how every two years from now, wouldn't you? I sure would. I know how I want it to go. I know how I pray for it to go. I wasn't going to do this, but I found this out on the way here, literally on the way here. Um, the mother of my daughter's college roommate just died in a fire. She just died. The reason she died in the fire and couldn't get out, she just had major knee surgery, and she was trying to get to the door. She got just about to the door, and she was uh, consumed by smoke. And I think to myself, wow, man, life is short. Life is short. It's so quick. It's just so quick. College roommate of, of the mother of my daughter, gone. Just gone. And then I looked back. I looked back at all the people, uh, hearing about all these people. Mr. Workman, wonderful man, seriously wonderful man. Rugged, but sweet. Loved the Lord. Now he's now he's face to face. The Workman family, so many other families, as August 6th comes up, it's a terrible, terrible day to remember. And so many of them are people of faith. And they say the same thing. Oh, it's hard. It's so hard. But we will see our child again. And they say with absolute conviction. Now, some of them, our buddy Cha, you know, he's a person of faith, grew up. But but uh, this amazingly, this terrible event in his life, boy, he told me uh, not too long ago, he said, boy, this will make you... This will make you be solid on your faith, won't it? It'll either take your faith away or losing a child like that terrible thing. And I look around over the last month and I think, how many people do I know that are gone? They're gone. They were here and then they're gone. One day, that'll be you or it'll be me. One day. You better know what you believe. You better know what you believe. I know in whom I have believed because I know he is able to do that which he has committed. Somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, why in the world do you go out in the wilderness, you know, when you can? Why do you do that? And I'll tell you what, I do it because it's so peaceful for me. It is a sanctuary for me. And one of the things my friend, uh, Bryn Sellers, who I'm telling you, you got to listen to this show. Her and uh, Bryn Sellers and Mike Brock were my guests on Wednesday, and I'm telling you, you got to listen to that show. You've got to listen to that show. Powerful. And because of the illness of, of one of her twin sons, uh, she and her son have not been able to attend church live. But they're able to have church, and, and that's able to become a sanctuary. And I said to her, I said, you know, being outside and, and looking at the beauty that God created, I don't worship creation. I worship the creator. And if you worship, if you listen, if you worship the creator, you'll never throw another piece of trash. If you worship the creator, you'll never illegally hunt an animal. If you worship the creator, you'll never dump something that shouldn't be dumped. If you worship the Creator, if you respect the Creator, if you realize He, capital H, is real, He's not an awesome God, He's the awesome God. And if you realize how amazing it is that He created all of this, you'll never again do anything to damage it. Never again. Let us therefore look into the subject carefully and see the reason why man, if left to himself in his spontaneous reflections, doubts whether there is mercy in the Holy One for a transgressor, and fears that there is none, and why a special revelation is consequently required to dispel the doubt and the fear. 
The reason lies in the fact, which is implied in the text that we read, the exercise of justice is necessary, while that of mercy is optional. It's not always the case when someone goes before a judge. I'm going to be helping a friend of mine I watched grow up. He started off rough, but on Tuesday, uh, I'm going to stand up and testify under oath that this fellow deserves consideration because uh, as a teenager, he was rough. He was a rough kid. He was going the wrong way, for sure, very much the wrong way. But one day something was said to him, and it stuck, and he changed his life. And he's got nothing on his criminal record. Everything's been expunged from when he was a kid. He's working hard. He's doing good things. He has redeemed himself, and he has allowed God to redeem him. But you know what? The judge doesn't have to show mercy. The judge could say, well, that's all well and good, but you know what? Your past is your past, but I remember it. So therefore, denied. Justice is absolutely necessary, but mercy is absolutely optional. So you look at that and you say, well, wait a second. I hear all these folks say, well, I wouldn't serve a God that would allow someone who just had knee surgery to die at their door right at the door. Well, I wouldn't allow Mr. Workman to hit a, a bull elk on his motorcycle after riding all those miles so safely. I will have mercy on whom I please to have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I please to have compassion. It is a principle and laid in the structure of the human soul that the transgression of the law must be visited with retribution. You do the crime, you've got to do the time. Now, I talk to a lot, believe it or not, I talk to a lot of atheists. You know, I, I repeat this a lot because I want to teach as I preach. Atheist is the proper way to pronounce it. It's not atheist, it's atheist. And what it means is you're not ambivalent about God. You don't just don't believe in God. You are literally against atheist, against God. You are not only against God, you're against any idea of God. You're not only uh, uh, ambivalent about God, but you want to convince as many as possible that your father, the enemy, Satan, is superior in some way to the creator and father of all, the heavenly father. And in those conversations, I've learned something. It's interesting. The pagan conscience, as well as the Christian, testify that the soul that sins shall die. Even though the atheist does not believe in God, they say, I'm going to party like it's, what was that song, Party Like It's 1999? Right? Because there is, there is nothing. I, both are going to die. We're both going to die. The difference is the atheist who doesn't believe in God, every knee will bow. You say, well, every knee will bow. Well, that's good. That's like an insurance policy. We'll be there. Well, our knee will bow. Oh, oh, okay, now give me a mulligan on this one. Time out on the eternity in hell. I do believe you. Really? You believe me now? Because you can see me. Too late. It's justice. It's justice. But you know what I said to a dear friend this week? I said, you know, if we understood God, we'd be God. Until, listen, our transmuted righteousness, this righteousness that we get from the death, burial, and resurrection, praise God, that empty grave gives us that righteousness. And one day we'll be made perfect in the presence of the king. Glory to God. Amen. 
It's, that's reality, folks. That's what faith. But listen, if you live your life as a Christian, as a follower of the way, as a Catholic, as whatever faith you have, as God the Father is the, the, the head of the faith, the structure of the faith, the doctrine of the faith, the theology that you believe, those things, death, burial, and resurrection of the Son, the sinless Son, 33 years here on earth, was, was tortured and murdered. He was innocent, and yet he rose again. If that's the tenet of your faith and you believe, I know that that's part of my faith. That is where you are. Spend some time on your knees today. You say, well, Dr. Sean, isn't it normal to have doubts? Absolutely it is. But every time a doubt as to the Creator, the Father God, the One, capital zero, only One, the One, that creeps into your mind. You say, well, I'm just not sure. You've got to spend time with God. Ask him to fill your body with assurance. I've, I'm telling you, since, especially since my crash that took so much from me, I have no doubt that there is heaven and there is hell, that there is God Almighty and Satan the slippery, lying loser. I have no doubt, none whatsoever. But one thing I've learned, and, you know, the atheist always tries to debate me, and I don't debate atheists. People get on, they get on to me for that. They say, you're a really skilled debater, but why don't you debate atheists? Why don't you do that? Why don't you get in the ring with them? I know you could take them. And I say it's a pointless exercise. They have to see it for themselves. They cannot be convinced or coerced into it. They can't be guilted into it because they've made the decision. They say, I believe there is no God. And yet, if there is no God, as they contend, why then do they fight so against what is not? Pagan conscience. It's something to behold. There's no need for quoting from pagan philosophers to prove this either. We should be compelled to cite page after page if, if we say, well, you know, debate them. Let's get the documentary evidence. Page after page, we can say, for the evidence of God. Plutarch, if you've ever studied that, uh, upon which he, he writes this piece, The Slow Vengeance of the Deity. You read the reasons why he assigns for the apparent delay in this world of the infliction of punishment upon transgressors. And you will perceive that the human mind, when left to its candid and unbiased convictions, is certain that God is an holy being and will visit iniquity with penalty. If we believe God is God, we must believe first that he is just. What then does anything mean if we don't accept into our very soul that God is a holy being and that he is just? Listen, Many of the things that we read, you realize, when you read Scripture, I, I revere Scripture, right? We've talked about I don't allow the Bible to be on the floor or the ground. I don't put any book above the Bible. If the, if the Bible's in a stack of books, my Bible is going to be on top of the stack. I, I try to put covers on all of my Bibles. I just am, that's just how I feel. I, I have a, a great reverence for Scripture, capital S, because it is the Word of the Lord. But it's interesting, when you look at it, really, when you really dive in to the reality, which is Scripture, most of the people who read or who wrote books of the Bible, either one or multiple, 
didn't have a chance to co- converse with the other people. They didn't, well, let me see what you, what'd you write? What'd you get? You know, like fifth graders in school and class, what'd you get for question 11? What do you mean what I get? I'll take my arm and cover up. Mm-mm, you ain't copying off of me. Cheeto, you better do your own studying. But they didn't do that. There's another deer out there. Every week we get this little visit of the, these deer just kind of walk by. I wonder if they're listening. Well, I'll put a speaker out there. I'll help send them to eternity when they're big and fat. That's for sure. I will say this, and I, and I and I and it struck me so powerfully when I made that realization that many, many of the writers they had no, well, sorry to use this word, has such a connotation, collusion with Putin or anybody else. They had no collusion with the other folks writing scripture. Hey, I need to write this this way because. We we understand that in the natural, we look at many passages of Scripture, not understanding Hebrew worldview, text, literature, culture, all of these things, the land, the people of the land, the land of the people. If we don't understand all those things, we say there are contradictions in Scripture. But in fact, we know that there actually are not. If we understand the idiomatic language of the Hebrew people, both ancient and modern. We understand, we understand that uh, the question, where is the promise of God's coming in judgment? How, how Plutarch asked this question, uh, the, the scoffer asked the question, where is the promise of God's coming in judgment? And the apostle replies to it by saying this, the eternal mind one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day, and that therefore the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some uh, as some men count slackness, we know that if we can't trust God to be just, we can't trust God for anything. If you know you're going before a judge, you you you've gotten pulled over, or maybe you've been you've been unjustly arrested in a really serious crime, but you for sure got arrested. You for sure got put in jail pending pending trial, and for sure, you know one thing, that you're praying that God is just, and you're praying that who else is just? The judge. You're hoping that the just judge will be the one chosen for your case. What if your life was on the line? What if your life is on the line? What if your eternity is on the line? Don't you want a just judge? Because if the just judge doesn't exist in our faith, the faith that we live, faith is not something that we simply have. It is something we practice in every day. It's that challenge of our faith, living out our faith. I, t- I tell people all the time, don't, don't tell me your testimony with words. Show me. Show me. But you know, if we cannot be sure that God is just, we cannot also be sure that he will be merciful. We cannot be sure that he will, through his son, redeem us. Because if there is no justice, there will be no mercy. No reader of this treatise, if you go back and read that, can doubt for a moment that its author believed in the future punishment of the wicked and in the endless punishment of the incorrigibly 
wicked, because there is not the slightest hint or expectation of any exercise of mercy on the part of this divinity whose vengeance, though slow, is sure and inevitable. Now, people tell me all the time, they say, Dr. Sean, I've heard you speak about some of the most evil people in the world, what judgment should come to them. I thought you were a preacher. Listen, let me tell you something. Someone who kills hundreds of thousands, you know, dear leader over in uh, Kim Jong, bad haircut over in North Korea, kills millions of his people. You know, do you understand that millions of the people of North Korea, they die. They just disappear. They, they have many, many concentration camps for their own people, for their own people, and some of them have 50,000 inhabitants. Kim actually, he actually kills his own family members or has them killed. If someone doesn't clap enough, he sees someone on television, and, and they're going to have a parade, and he's waving, at people, and he doesn't see somebody in the crowd clapping enough. He has them identified, and he has them killed or put in these camps. You know why you can't have a dog in North Korea for very long? It's what's for dinner. They're running out of stray dogs. They're running out of personal pets to kill and eat. You say that can't be. I just saw on television, I just saw on television all these big fancy military vehicles and these, these big missiles, and he just did all these things. That can't be. The guy lives in wretched excess, wretched excess, literally wretched excess. People starve. When you watch his people, very rarely this occurs, but when it does, you hear people speak so glowingly, and they cry. They shed tears, and they say, oh, if I could only be in the presence of dear leader. He's been so good to us. And they live. And these are the ones that they allow on film. They live in utter fear of unjust punishment. Listen, if you know the judge isn't just, you'll have no belief that there'll ever be mercy. Why? Because you can't trust it. Some theorists tell us that the doctrine of endless punishment contradicts the instincts of natural reason and that it has no foundation in the constitution of the human soul. Now, I invite them, and I invite you, if you're among that group, to read and ponder this well. The speculations of one of the most thoughtful of pagans upon this subject they tell us if we see any streaks or rays of light in it, if you see any inkling, any jot or tittle, as the Bible says, the doctrine of the divine pity there, you don't see it. You won't see it. Not even a little bit. Plutarch believes in a, in a hell for the wicked and an Elysium for the good. But those who go to hell go there upon principles of justice and not mercy. And those who go to Elysium or heaven go there upon the same principles. And you say, wait a second, Doc. I thought you just said, I thought you just said a just God, only a just God. How do we have justice from God and yet have mercy in the same sentence? I'll tell you how. Born through the sinless life of Yeshua Hamashiach. 33 years he lived on this earth. He was a baby just like any other baby. He was a toddler just like any other toddler. He was a teen just like any other teen. He was a young adult just like any other adult, except for the fact that he was the sinless, only begotten son of the creator of all. We cannot have justice, truly, 
without the sinless Savior who did everything he said he was going to do, who did everything the Father who sent him said he was going to do. Every bit of prophecy has been fulfilled. Did you know that? Every bit of prophecy, every little bit of prophecy except one, yet to be fulfilled. And what is that one? He will come again. And therein, my friends, is your mercy. Therein, we are shown mercy, the opportunity for mercy. Let me ask you something. If we, let's go back to the judge. Let's go back to that, that situation where we are framed for something. Something happens. We were in the wrong place at the wrong time through no fault of our own. The police come. They slam the silver bracelets on us, put our hands behind our back. And what do they do? They cart us off, and they say, nope, you're the one. You're the one that did it. Now, I'm not saying police run around doing that regular. On the regular, I, I don't think so. I think we have, for the most part, very, very good police departments. However, this happens to you. And I've already said you want a just judge. You want the judge to be just. Do you know in the face of evidence, a judge that would acquit you, a judge still does not have to acquit you? Do you know there are many cases in this world, in this country, in America, where judges will hear some exculpatory evidence or some mitigating factors on the case? and they will still rule against the defendant. They have that power. Now, you look at me funny and say, well, how'd that happen? That's where you go to appeal, and you go to another judge, and maybe you go to another jury. But there is but one. Let me, let me give you another example, just for fun. You know, the president, President Trump, did, uh, did this, you know, this travel uh, restrictions, and it kept getting overturned by liberal judge after liberal judge after liberal judge, right? It's happened over and over and over and over. By the way, hello to our dear friend Don. We're praying for you. We hope you improve day by day, and we'll be looking forward to having you back with us. We miss you. Look, I'll tell you what. Let me let me go here first. Let me go here first, just for fun. Paganism. What is the heaven of the pagan? What is the heaven of the person who doesn't believe in our heaven, capital H, in our God. It's ice cream every night, baby. Do you party? Heck yeah, I party. I don't believe in God. I party all day and party all night. Where's the boat? Where's the dock? I'll be there. I am God. I am the God. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. However I want to do it, as much as I want to do it, don't care. You can't stop. Party on. That's their heaven. This is it. Whatever pleasures they can gain for themselves, it's here going to happen here. In paganism, however, the pagan has to earn their own heaven. In our faith in the Father, we cannot earn heaven. The idea of mercy or clemency toward a transgressor, of pity toward a criminal, is entirely foreign to the thoughts of Plutarch, so far as they can be gathered from this tract. It is the clear and terrible doctrine of the pagan sage that unless a man can make good his claim to eternal happiness upon the ground of law and justice, unless he merits it by some good work, there is no hope for him in the other world. The idea of forgiving and tender mercy in the supreme being of the Father, God, exercised toward a creature whom justice would send to eternal retribution, nowhere appears in the best pagan epics. And why should it? What evidence of proof has the human mind, apart from the revelations made to it in the Old and New Testaments, that God will 
ever forgive sin or ever show mercy. Now, when you think about this subject, I know this is for me. Our reason perceives intuitively that God must, of necessity, he must punish transgression. And we perceive with equal intuitiveness that there is no corresponding necessity. There's no necessity of God to pardon us. He doesn't have to pardon us, but he must be just. And this is what we say. With We say this every time. We say it with, it's on bumper stickers. We say, we know this. We know this is true. God must be just. But we can't say with any certainty that God must be merciful. The divine mercy, it's an attribute which is perfectly free and optional in its exercises. And therefore, we can't tell beforehand whether it will or will not be shown to transgressors. We just don't know. We just don't know. Sounds crazy to you, doesn't it? We know nothing at all about it until we hear some word from the lips of God himself upon this point. When he opens the heavens and he speaks in a clear tone to the human race saying, I will forgive your iniquities. Then, and not till then, do they know the fact. Listen, we can read this. Because I said to you, what did I say to you? Since my crash, I said, I have, I didn't really have much doubt before then. I didn't have doubting moments, you know. Well, is God, did he really make all this? You know, scientists can, you know, when they say, just like, you know, what's going on right now, well, 17 of the intelligence agencies in the government says that this definitely happened when we find out now. No, they didn't. That was a big fat lie. You lie and I'll swear to it, says the press, says the people in governance. In that crash, I prayed three prayers. The first prayer that I prayed while laying there, I was trapped. I didn't realize I was trapped. Massive, you know, just trauma. I prayed a prayer of contrition. I said, Father, forgive me of my many sins. I prayed a prayer for the people in the other vehicle. I said, surely someone, I didn't know that I had died. I didn't know that this was after I came to. I prayed a prayer of petition for the other people, and I thanked God that none of my family, none of my friends, my puppy wasn't in my car. I just didn't have a doubt that if I closed my eyes again and I never opened them, I was headed to heaven. And let me tell you something. There's nothing in me that deserves heaven. Not a bit. Nothing at all. I couldn't at that moment rail against God despite all of my pain and being trapped and crushed in the car. I couldn't rail. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why? Why me? Why this? Why that? People have asked me a million times, do you ever ask God why me? No, there's plenty of reasons why it should be me. There's not a doubt in my mind that I've never gotten what I truly deserve. Truly. And I would venture to say many of us, if we're being honest, neither did we. If we're being real, neither did we. But the fact of the matter is, if someone if someone promises you ice cream, you don't really know they're going to bring you ice cream until you're eating ice cream. Now, the next time I go to my mom's house, she brought up a root beer float she just had, and I was too full. I couldn't eat a root beer float. Now, I love me some root beer floats. I was too full, believe it or not. I'm cutting back. I don't know if you noticed. I'm cutting back. I'm trying to slim down and be health, more healthy. And, and uh, it, I don't want to die of something stupid, you know. I thought to myself, mm, I know. Now, I know my mom. If she's here, she keeps her word. She'll die keeping her word. She will not break her word. That's just what she's all about. She is trustworthy. I know I'll have me a Ruby or float. 
as soon as next Saturday, I will have me a, a root beer float because I know my mom. Unless God carries her to heaven, and she's ready, she's ready to go home. She's, there's there's somebody I grew up watching. Man, that's faith right there. Never wavered. Never wavered. But you know, I can't really be sure until I'm eating the ice cream. Until I'm rubbing my belly, going, mmm, get in my belly, that's good. Right? You don't know until you're standing in the face of God Almighty, the creator of everything. Can you imagine? Have you ever thought about how 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 just impudent of us to say, me too, because I used to do this all the time. I say it and then I correct myself still because I'm a slow learner and I have a brain injury, so sometimes I forget that I said it. I'm going to ask God. When I get there, I'm going to ask God. I am. I'm going to ask him about this, that, and that. you got a whole list. How many of you have a list of things you want to ask God? You say, I'm going to ask God about that. Mm-hmm. And we do like this. I'm going to ask God about this. Put our hands on our hips, do like this. Maybe tap our foot a little bit. Maybe smack our thigh. Say, mm-hmm, I'm going to ask God about this. No, you won't. No, no, you won't. You're going to stand in front of the Holy One. And you're going to fall to your feet, just like me. And tears of eternal joy are going to stream down your face. And every hurt that you ever had, every habit that you ever fought, every fear that you ever had, every every heartbreak you ever had, any disappointment you ever had will be vanished in that moment, and it will never revisit you again. The only tears you will shed are tears of joy, eternal and complete joy, because our just God has said, if you believe in me, if you believe that I sent my son, If you believe in that, you place your faith in that, you will. How about that? How about that guy on the one side of Christ? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. The moment he closed his eyes for the last, he realized Yeshua meant business. That very moment. Listen, I don't need any sort of special revelation anymore in my life. I really don't. Say God can't lie. Guess what? He won't lie. We say God will do what he said he will do, and you can bet he will. He said he would be just, and he will be just. He said he would punish sin, and he will absolutely punish sin. And that includes me, it includes you, it includes anybody that's ever been born onto the face of this planet. We know that. But when we pass from the punishment of sin to the pardon of it, we go over to the merciful side of the divine nature. We can come to no certain conclusions, my friends, if we're shut up to the workings of our own minds or the teachings of the world of nature around us. Listen, picture yourself in a room and you go before the judge, God the Father. You go before him. Could you ever plead such a case, my friends? Could you ever make such a case for yourself such that you would convince through arguments in the natural why you deserve leniency? We can't. But what we can do is we can look at Jesus 
and we can say, but I have. And when he closed his eyes on the cross, and he said, it is accomplished, he covered me. We'd have no other chance at freedom. We'd have no other chance at redemption. Never. Not one moment of our life could we have ever bought it on our own in the natural. It took Jesus. Can you imagine? I'll tell you this, and this is something that has, um, this has struck me my whole life. Just I, I thought I thought to myself, this has got to be answered somehow. Even as a little kid, I remember this as a little kid. I remember my mother explaining to me in that kitchen, at that kitchen table, in that house built in 1915, I remember asking my mom, how can I be saved? I was five years old. I was a weird kid. How can I be saved? Why would God forgive me? Now, the worst I'd probably done at that point was, Maybe take an extra cookie. Mom said you could have three. I took possibly four or six or eight because even back then I didn't do odd numbers. I know I was weird. Mom said be back at such and such for dinner. Maybe I got a little excited. Maybe I was in a tree that I couldn't get out of but I shouldn't have been in. Didn't have a watch to look at. Maybe I was a little bit late, right, but I knew better. Maybe that's the worst of it. And I ask that question, and I ask that question today. If we're being honest, why in the world, God redeem us, why in the world would he do it? I only come up with this answer. This is the only answer that I come up with. Why is it that a convicted person under the light of the gospel and with the unambiguous and explicit promise of God to forgive sins ringing in our ears, why is it that even under favorable circumstances, that a guilt-smitten human being, why do we find it so difficult to believe that there's mercy for me and you? You know, if you're honest, you've asked that same question, haven't you? I asked it as a five-year-old, and I've asked it many times since. Why in the world would God give clemency to me? Why is it that we find it so impossible to fully believe that Jehovah is a sin-pardoning God unless we are enabled to do so by the Holy Spirit? Ruach HaKodesh. It's because he knows that God is under a necessity of punishing his sin, but is under no necessity of pardoning it. That's the deal, folks. He doesn't have to. He doesn't do it because he has to. He doesn't pardon our sin and redeem us because he has to. He does it because he wanted to. And he would have done it for only you. He would have sent Yeshua to the cross. And Yeshua would have, listen, make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ did not have to go to the cross. Jesus Christ did not have to. At any moment, he could have called legions of angels, 10,000. It's a John W. Peterson song. He could have called 10,000 angels. Man, every time I hear it, I move to tears. Whew. We cast ourselves on the divine for pity, and we say, Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe in your son, Yeshua. 
I believe that he went to the cross unjustly. I believe that, I believe that he literally died. And I know because I know because I know that he left the grave vacant. He rose again on that third day, just as prophecy determined. And that fact is certain, whether anything else is certain or not, we know that a just God has said, call upon my name and you will be redeemed. God can punish sin, while at the same time he can pardon it. He can punish it, and in the substitute of Christ, he pardons the sinner, the just. I think it's absolutely amazing that justice stands in, because you know what? The ultimate justice is Christ. People say that he was a victim on the cross. People say that he was somehow duped. I hear people talk about it, even Christians. I hear people from pulpits say that, you know, well, he was let down by his friends, and then, well, he was over here, and then the one friend, he, he really let him down, and he, well, he, he denied he knew him, and then, you know, on and on and on. And, well, he was really let down. I mean, you know, and then he went over here, and I guess he, I don't know what happened. And then, then he was turned, he was whipped, and then he was so weak from blood loss and being beaten so bad, no food and no drink. They carried him to the cross and made him carry the stipe, and then they go and they put him up, you know, all of these things. And no, every step. He permitted every step, every lash, every foul strike upon the body and the face of Christ. Christ permitted it at any time. He could have done the little timeout and said, no, you know what? On second thought, they're not worth it. And really, listen, you've got to understand that divine mercy comes. It comes through Christ. It doesn't come through us. There's not an argument we could make. I can't make an argument why God should let me. I just can't. Let me into heaven, Father. Why should I let you into heaven? Um, uh, uh, um, um, I cook pretty good soup. I take, I take a half-decent photograph, and he's like, uh, I made what you're taking pictures of, bub. So, not such a great. Maybe I, I fed a homeless person, and maybe I helped somebody out one time. Well, no, not good enough. I sent thousands around you, and you didn't help them, but you helped those two. And I don't, I'm supposed to take that. I, well, I did good here. I, I was good here for this stretch of time. Yeah, I know. I can see you from heaven, but what about all these other times? Every argument falls flat. My goodness, if I had to make a case in court for myself, I'd be, I'd, I would be. I would be lost. I would be lost. There's just no arguing with it. There's no arguing with it. We are offered no forgiveness until we accept that God is creator of all. God hung the moon and the stars. He put the sea in place. There's not a fish or fowl, insect or mammal anywhere that moves that he didn't put into place. You see, we were the we were we were the variable. We were the variable. I'm going to ask you. You know, listening around the world, so many people. I'm so honored that you would listen and tune in and share this. But I got to ask you. You know, are you one of the ones that hasn't settled yet? 
that God is God and I am not. Are you one of the ones? Because if you are, you've got to settle that question. I mean, before I'm finished speaking, don't even wait until then. I won't feel interrupted. Place your faith in the Heavenly Father. doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be real. Father, forgive me of my sins. I place my faith in you. I don't even know exactly what that looks like, but I do. And I trust you. And I want to live for you until I die. I believe that you sent your son. I believe that he vacated that grave. And I believe he's with you in glory. And that's where I want to be. That's it. But you had better mean it. And then live your life the that you can through the help of friends and community of faith, through prayer and scripture, and following hard after Christ. That's how it's done. It's through nothing that we do, folks. Nothing at all. There's a lot of stress on people nowadays. I have a lot more stress on, on me now than I used to. Can't work. Sometimes can't walk. Sometimes can't eat, right? You know, sometimes I forget 10 minutes ago. A lot of stress. But I'll tell you what doesn't cause me stress at all. It's one of these days I'm going to close my eyes, and then I'm going to open them to Christ. I am telling you there is no doubt in my mind. And if you want to have that kind of assurance, play this message back and listen you don't have to pray exactly what I prayed, how I prayed it. You use your own language, your own words, but mean it with all your heart. Don't spend another day doubting whether God is God. Because he most assuredly is not an awesome God. He is the awesome God. And you know what? We're so, we are so fortunate that he chose to redeem us. Don't wait another day. Don't do it. If you haven't done it, don't wait another day. Don't hesitate. You know, Mr. Workman, I've been 300 and some thousand miles on motorcycles. I don't know if you guys know that. I was a motorcycle rider, and I happened to own a vehicle. I rode everywhere in all kinds of weather. The only temperatures that I wouldn't ride below were 15 degrees, and I'd ride up to any temperature. I'd ride in the rain. I'd ride in the snow. I'd ride in everything. I loved it. I lived to ride. My buddy Wes back there can testify. That's what it's like. If you love to ride a motorcycle, that's, that's how it is. And Mr. Workman, I bet you it was the same way. But then, all of a sudden, snuffed out. He knew in whom he believed. He knew who he'd see the moment of death. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's your only choice. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at 
www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>